Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know the holiday season can be a real challenge for many of us, and we're really getting down to it now. It can almost be like Thanksgiving is just a teaser for what's to come. So if you're struggling, I'm going to drop the link in the show notes to a blog post that I wrote a few years ago called How to Make the Holidays Not Suck Holy Hell. (laughs) So check that out and know that I am here rooting for you and offering advice and support in my Facebook group, uh, which you'll also find linked in the show notes. Um, Or you can just go to Facebook and search for a group called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And that's me. Uh, There's almost a thousand women in there right now. And I got to tell you the support in there for women at any stage of this process. It's not just should you stay or should you go. Like any stage of this process, the support in there is unbelievable. These women are so beautiful and come join us um, and we'll get you through the holidays. <laughs> so on to today's episode. Today's guest is Jonathan Asley, and Jonathan is America's leading midlife dating coach. But today, Jonathan joins me to discuss the importance of learning how to love yourself. After losing his 19-year-old son, Connor, in 2018, Jonathan's grief led him on a soul-searching inner journey, where he became aware of an often overlooked dimension of the dating conversation. And he realized that the process of dating reveals the most common emotional health issue faced by many singles seeking a partner, a distressing lack of self-worth, self-regard, and self-love. Ain't that the fucking truth? So today, Jonathan's on a mission of encouraging both men and women to fully love themselves, and he has a new book out. It's called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? And it's packed with fun, engaging, spiritual, and personal growth practices. And Jonathan also has a dynamic uh, midlife love mastery mentorship program, which inspires hundreds of people daily around the world. But today, Jonathan and I are really focusing our conversation on self-love and how he came down to this sort of focused point after his divorce and through the death of his son. So without further ado, here is Jonathan Asley. And thank you so much for coming on to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast and sharing your story and wealth of information. I'm super excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be a part of this as well. Um, so you have said um, to me, yeah, <laughs> actually, like five minutes ago, um, you said that your divorce was really the, your catalyst to huge change in your life and that it actually prepared you for dealing with even greater hardships down the line, which we'll, 
we'll get to. Um, So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about that. Let's talk talk about the divorce. Isn't that fun? Um, (laughs) Well, wait, isn't this a divorce survival guide? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Bingo. Tell me about your, tell me about your marriage, your divorce and how that um, all unfolded for you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So, you know, it's interesting as you were asking me the question I was thinking about in my twenties, I was or not even in my twenties growing up, I was programmed. I was part of the baby boom generation. So, uh, my parents were part of that world war two generation, if you will. And it was, then there was this program you, you know, after high school, you're going to go to college and after college, you're going to get a really good job. And after you get a really good job. You're going to meet a girl. And when you meet a girl, you're going to get married. You're going to buy a house and start a family. Right. And I followed that to a T. I mean, I went to, you know, I went to college uh, about five years later, I met someone and we then got married two years later. And then we bought a house two years later and I had kids two years after that. And I followed American that dream. It's yeah. the American dream, Jonathan. You did it right. Well, certainly I would say that was then, you know, because I don't think the same dream exists and we can get into that for a second, Yeah. but I followed it and, and it was about 10 years into the marriage. I realized that my blueprint collided with the reality that I married someone that didn't love me. Mm. I, I shouldn't say didn't love me. We were misaligned in yeah. so many different ways. I mean, yeah. we do care for each other and, and such, but, um, but I didn't even know who I was when I got married. I was, even though I was 27 when I met her, I was 29. I was emotionally a 15 year old. <laughs> yeah. I, and I can say this after the fact. It was, you know, because you could have never told me then. Right. Uh, but I had no clue who I was, what I was all about, what was I even doing. I was very ego driven. And, and certainly during the divorce, there was a there. Well, in my particular case, there was a ton of contention between us. And yeah, and you know, it's sad. And you know, if someone had told me this in advance, and I think about this, I, I you know, I would love to have heard some advice beforehand, like some really good advice. Mm. You got to do that before you ever get married. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. Know, like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I know. so wasn't prepared for yeah. any of it. The, it's interesting that, you know, I remember talking to a friend of mine who was getting married and she and her husband, her, her fiance were going through um, some of the most intense premarital counseling that I had ever mm. seen. And she was talking to me about the questions that they were grappling with and how hard it was. And I thought, oh my God, I wish everyone, everyone had to do this. Yeah. It was, you know, there was so much values-based thinking and, and all of that, but literally like, what are you going to do if this happens? What will be your response if this happens? And, you know, not that we can predict anything specifically, of course, yeah. but just to have the, you know, we go, God, we get married so blindly. <laughs> you know, we did. Well, my, I'm so my, young. Yeah. My wife and I did a little bit of premarital counseling, but I realized then we would have just said whatever we had to say because we weren't, you know, like we weren't really, there was an awareness piece that didn't exist at that stage of my life. So, you know, it's no wonder divorce, you know, and, 
and even though they say the divorce rate is 50%, I, I really believe that if you added the breakup rates of a relationship, it's almost 95%. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, if you count the yeah. ones that didn't, didn't get married. Yeah, exactly. You've got to add that into the equation. Right. Uh, <sighs> so it's because through relationships, we actually learn a lot about ourselves. And our first go around, we're not even aware that we can le- learn about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and and because now that I'm divorced and I've spoken to so many divorced people, they all say the same thing. You know, I've now learned what I don't, I, I now learned what I want by what I didn't want. Yeah. So it was through the relationship <sighs> itself and for, you know, for many others thereafter, have I gotten a better sense of who I am? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to push back on the, you know, now that I know, I know what I want because I know what I don't want thing. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a, that's a little bit of a trap. I think it's so much, there's so much more depth and nuance to that. Right. Because if you're only going to go for the, not the last thing, yeah. then the last thing still has that power and, and uh, control over you. Right. And yeah. you know, what resists persists. So, you know, well, it, it's interesting. Persists. You'll, um, by the way, since I'm a dating coach for women professionally, one of the things I do is help them with profiles. And when I see a profile that says, I don't want any cheaters and liars and scumbags oh and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guess what you're really? Gonna, guess what you're going to attract? Attract, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, really? It's going to work on those people? I mean, come on. Exactly. You know? It's so, basically, uh, it's basically like a, you know, a checker flag saying like, enter yeah. here. <laughs> well, it's a checker flag that I'm wounded and I haven't healed. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so I'm a receptacle actually for that. Right. And that's, and that's right. So it's, so it's not the not, it's the doing the healing and the work on ourselves to figure out what the fuck happened. Well, right. Yeah. Cause I'll share with, Oh, I was going to say, well, so for your audience listening, I, you know, I, after turning 40, going through a divorce, I lost my quarter million dollar year job. Uh, a few years later, the market crashed, mm. wiped me out of a seven figure net worth, not a, not a five figure, not a six figure, a seven figure oh. network got wiped out. And I was in emotional despair. And it was, it was a challenge because I'm also you know, dealing with alimony and child support and family court and all this stuff within that period of time. Oh my God. And, and I would, I'm going to be honest. I was, I was so, I I was going to say the word a dick. You can, Um, you can. I was completely (laughs) unconscious and I was very selfish. Mm. And it was, but when I look back now, I was selfish because I was trying to, I was in such fear uh, because my world collapsed when I lost my quarter million dollar job. I lost my marriage. I lost all my money. My whole identity was gone. And so my behavior, I'm not proud of it, but was, was rather unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it took me about five or six years to really get into a place where I started to see that I created all this, that this was all my doing and I have, and I could learn how to respond instead of react to life. And little by little, I began to heal and I began to heal my relationship with my ex-spouse and I began to heal my relationship with my, not heal my relationship with my children, appreciate my relationship with my Uh, children. Because I didn't, for that first five years, I was like in 
I don't want to say limbo, but I was just unconscious. Yeah. And so what, what got you out of that? Like what, what got you out of that? Well, you know, (laughs) I tell the story from my professional perspective, my, well, I was actually addicted to online dating that first year. And I went on over a hundred internet dates. That's it's fun the first year. And then, it, <laughs> yeah. and then but right, it's like, oh my God, I'm appreciated. Yeah. People think I'm sexy. Yeah. People think I'm hot. People yeah. want, you know, want a piece of me or whatever, right? There's yeah. like the I was getting so much action, I couldn't believe it. Oh my god, the attention <laughs> is intoxicated. Yeah. So Absolutely. I realized though, I would go out with someone, really nice uh woman, we'd have a really nice time, but something wasn't right. I went out on another one, really nice woman, really nice time, something wasn't right, over and over again. And as I shared, I had over a hundred internet dates. But I also realized that the something right wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And right at that time, the movie The Secret came out. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I was very aware of personal development, self-help, spirituality, that when I was in my 20s, it was called metaphysics. Right. And so the movie, The Secret, you know, it coming out, reignited what was already began in me before I met my wife. And that was a personal development, self-help and spiritual practice. And at that point, I'm sorry to interrupt, but had you no, given ahead. that up in your marriage? Was that some a part of yourself that you abandoned in your marriage? You know, it's interesting that you bring this up because I I didn't consciously do it because of her. I, I mean, in other words, as I think yeah. back, it wasn't like, oh, she made me do anything. No, just, no, but I, I actually started it as a way to meet women. <laughs> <laughs> so then you met one, you were like, all right, well, what do I Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> meet a woman that was into the same thing was the problem. That's hilarious. Uh, so, uh, so only because she had no awareness around it, I had just gotten a taste of, of personal development. Other than I bought Tony Robbins CDs like 30 years ago from an infomercial. Um, <laughs> and it, by the way, and they were still in a box until I got divorced. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's when I began like the movie, The Secret, What the Bleep, and then books, you know, Marianne Williamson, Wayne Dyer, Neil Donald Walsh, um, and just to name a few. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of what, started to transform me from living life from an egoic place and operating from a place of how can I, how can I see and experience life through the eyes of love? Mm. And that's where I'm at in my journey right now is how can I love myself and everyone else um, as the path, just be an extension of love. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, my, my listeners and my audience is a lot of women, right? Who are married to or divorcing men who they don't feel connected to, who they, who they don't, who don't have this sort of connection spiritually or to personal development, right? Yeah. It's such a missing for them. I mean, it really is, right? So what would you say to women who are with men who are sort of, it sounds like you weren't, it's not that you were like that because you actually had access, right? You just had, it was a part of yourself that you, like a a path you had started down and then, uh, you know, took some time off from. Yeah, you got detoured, detoured, which is, which is, you know, what we do in adulthood. (laughs) Adulthood is a detour. Exactly. 
And so what would you say to these women who are with, who are on a spiritual path or are really invested in personal development, um, who are married to people who are just not? So this is going to be really hard for everyone to hear because Mm -hmm. while I believe from a society and traditional perspective, we are conditioned to stay in a relationship that's on, that's just not either. It's not spurring serving a higher purpose or it's toxic on some level and we are conditioned to stay and make it work out and go to therapy. And many people sacrifice their entire lives, if you will, on a premise that you can abandon today. And that is this experience called life. This thing that we get to live is our experience first. Mm -hmm. It's our experience first. Amen. Just, and just like, you know, the idea of when you have to put the oxygen mask, when the, you know, cabin pressure changes in the plane, it's putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. And it's saying it's absolutely okay to end a relationship that doesn't serve either one of us. And that there are alternate, there are definite ways to either coexist or exist, but not together. Yep. Whether it's divorce, separation or whatnot. And to begin a journey of experience this life on your terms because each one of us is in charge of our own destiny. Mm -hmm. And just because we made a commitment once, you know, it's just, it's an agreement actually not a commitment to stay until it no longer serves us. And if it no longer serves either, if it doesn't serve one of us, it doesn't serve both of us. And I love what just popped into my head is like the, you know, the, the agreement that we make is, you know, until death do us part. Right. Yeah. And I like to look at that as my soul died in my marriage. Yeah. Right. When, when my soul was dead, I mean, not, not, not literally, but certainly very figuratively, there was a part of me that died in my marriage. It was the greatest gift to myself to leave my marriage. And to, and to my ex, by the way, yeah, and I, I talk just... about this a lot is that, you know, when I realized that we didn't like each other very much and that he, he deserved to be with someone who liked him, yeah, you know, yeah. as much as I deserved to be with someone who liked me yeah, and that like, what would be possible? And that if we were together and we brought out the absolute worst in each other, what would be possible from a parenting perspective if we were with people who brought out the best in us, right? Or just were not with people who brought out the worst in us? Well, sadly, most people aren't trained at good communication skills. Yes. You know, the reason why there's any type of significant friction or animosity, it's because most humans haven't learned how to communicate their feelings in a way that's seen, heard, and understood, and not from an egoic place, from a place of love. So, but going back to you asking for the divorce was a a blessing for you and a blessing for him. Mm -hmm. I I think back to my experience, you know, I I actually knew on some level I was going to get divorced on May 24th, 2018, 17, because I, my, I figured I will get divorced when I was 18 years old. And I knew that literally short into the, the marriage. Uh huh. And it took her nerve to end the relationship mm-hmm. 12 years before my son did turn 18. Mm. 
And I'm grateful because that gave me six more years to realize, figure out who I was. Yeah. I've been spending this whole time trying to figure out who am I? Yeah. And she did that for me. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would have stayed out of obligation. And I think so many men do. I think so many men stay because, yeah, out of obligation. And it's it's fine. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's fine. It's the, I think it's women that get that itch that like, no, it's not, it's not enough. Right. A lot of men will stay because, you know, they're not happy, but like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, men are actually nesters. Yeah. People don't realize that women are often call men commitment phobic, but we're nesters. Once we're in, we don't go anywhere. Yes, usually. exactly. Once you know, you're in, you are in. Now, that doesn't mean they don't go anywhere for a, maybe a sexual experience, but that's a whole nother conversation. But mm -hmm. men aren't going anywhere. And so, um, and, and I always say women are the container of the heart of the relationship. Yeah. You know, so if that, well, we, that's a whole nother conversation. With well, let's, well, no, I'm curious about that. So we can, let's go down that path for a minute. So what do you mean by that? Well, men okay if men are nesters we're also good at taking you know we're here to take direction so mm -hmm. when i say the heart if you want to have an emotional connection with your spouse who lead the charge yeah you know, if if you know unless we're completely selfish we're going to want to you know work we want to make you happy most right. of the time but yeah. you see Oftentimes, women are waiting for men to take the lead. This whole thing in the yeah. dating realm is all about men taking the lead. And I'm like, you're, ladies, you're giving the job to the wrong person. And that's true. And every aspect of a relationship, a woman is the leader. So, I mean, generally speaking, not as an absolute. Right, right. And so, and it's really interesting because then, but then, you know, going back to communication, right, which is that, you know, that I know so many women that are like, I just want an emotional connection. And, the, and their husbands are like, I don't get it, <laughs> you know, cause that's a very sort of complex and yet also very vague thing to say, right? What does that mean to you? What is a, what is an emotional connection to you? Cause what, he, cause a guy may be like, well, I feel emotionally connected to you. Hey guys. I want to take a quick break here because I want to tell you about a co-parenting app that I have been testing out and I absolutely love. The FAIR app, it's F-A-Y-R, is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. And I am so excited to be partnering with FAIR on the podcast today. This app is so cool, not just because it's app-based, so it's always at your fingertips, and not just because it's made with the user experience in mind, so it's super pretty and intuitive, but really because of all that you can do with it. So here's a sampling of some of the things that you can do on the FAIR app. There's a time-sharing calendar, so you can track custody. You can exchange days and never forget special events like soccer games or birthday parties. There's documentable text messaging so that if you communicate through the app, it stores everything for you. There's an expense tracker so you can monitor expenses, upload receipts, and just generally track all of the kids' spending all of the kid spending. But here's my favorite part. FAIR has a GPS check-in that is a court-verifiable way to document your presence at all GPS-verified locations. 
What this means is that no one can accuse you of not being where you said you'd be with your kids because the app will prove that you were there. How cool is that for high conflict cases? There's a monthly parenting report that tells you unequivocally what percentage of custody you had that month, along with tons of other things. There's a private journal to take notes, add photos, and screenshots. You guys are constantly asking me how to store the screenshots that you take. Here it is. Um, there's also a file vault so you can keep all your records. You can export all of your records. And there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So the best part about this amazing app is that they've come on as a sponsor of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. And as a loyal listener, they are offering you 20% off of your subscription. So here's what you got to do. You got to go to befair.com, B-E-F-A-Y-R.com. When you subscribe, use the code KAnthony, that's me, <laughs> my first initial and last name, and you'll get 20% off. Then you're going to download the FAIR app from the App Store or Google Play right there on the website, and your life will immediately become 150% easier. Now, of course, if you can't remember all this, you know it's all in the show notes. What you need to remember is that you can lose the he said, she said, and be the best parent that you can be. Be FAIR, F-A-Y-R. Okay, now let's get back to our episode. What is a what is an emotional connection to you? <laughs> Women often say to me two things. You know, I want more emotional connection or I want more commitment from my guy. This is yeah. in the dating realm. And yeah. I'm like, okay, what does that mean to you? And right. they are like, blah. And I go, what does that mean to you? Uh, they actually just repeat, I just want more emotional connection. Right. And so I'm right. like, if uh, you can't describe it, right? you know, then how can you, how do you even know that you have it? Right. And you start by leading by example. And, and by the way, for the ladies listening here, and I know you all think you're really good communicators, but watch the show Couples Therapy on Showtime. Yeah. It's couples therapy and the women communicate their feelings so poorly right? compared to the men, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that generally speaking... We, human beings are terrible at this. And as you said, yes. like, this is a, communication is a skill. This is a skill that I personally, you know, have spent years teaching in fortune 500 companies and to top, top executives of fortune 500 companies. Mm. And literally they, you know, they, this is a skill they do, that we don't have. And, you know, when I teach it to my clients and in my programs, you know, it's, it's the same. It's the same as what I teach in Fortune 500, except it's a little more, you know, heart-centered, right? Yeah. But we literally don't know how to put words to the things that we need in a way that the other person can hear it. Because it's not just about what we say and how we say it. It's how it is received by the other person. And if our, you know, what's that, that famous NLP saying that um, the meaning of any piece of communication is the response that you get, right? If you're not yeah. getting the response that you're looking for, you're not communicating in a way that your partner can understand. And that's yeah. on you. That's your job. Well, the other thing I want to add to that is the recognition of context, because you could, mm -hmm. you could be saying the color blue to your partner yes. and he goes, no, that's royal blue. And you're like, no, that's blank, you know, whatever blue. And yeah. so if you're not sharing even the same context, yeah. you could be communicating something that still isn't received because they're 
version of what you say in their yes. in their interpretation is different. Yes. And by the way, I'm sure I don't I'm sure you're familiar well maybe you're not, but the book Nonviolent Communication yeah. by Marshall Rosenberg. Yeah, of course. I wished it was uh, titled Compassionate Communication. Yes, because yes, it is. And and yes, and and again, the not that is that, right? So people hear that and they're like, "Well, it's, I, I'm not violent." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. My husband's not violent. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. Right. We're talking about compassion. Yeah. It's a poorly titled book, but a gr- well-written book to begin to learn the tools to communicate in a way that you actually become heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's get back to your journey. So, okay. so you got divorced and then you somehow found your way back to this personal development stuff, right? You watched the movie, The Secret, and you were like, oh my God, there's that thing that I lost along the way. Yeah, and then I became a, well, (laughs) prior to becoming a dating coach in 2009, I had dated a very well-known internet marketer who was a coach. Uh Uh-huh. And I got to live in her world for six months. And That's great. You're going to have to tell me later who that is. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, and so... um, (laughs) Uh, so that experience and I, so I'm, so after we ended our relationship, uh, you know, I, I was dating heavily. I, mm-hmm. people just asked me advice uh, after a while. Women just would ask me advice. Mm-hmm. Um, like women, I weren't dating, but we'd become friends and they just asked me dating advice. And so everyone said, well, you got to write a book about online dating. And this was back, uh, back in like 2008. Mm-hmm. And so in 2009, I wrote a little cheesy ebook and I learned through how she marketed. I started my own website and everything and sold it. And, <laughs> and it, and what it did was it turned somehow someone heard a, a rate or someone saw my website, wanted me to be on their radio show. And then someone wanted me to be on, you know, uh, audition for a TV show. I started to become popular just because of this ebook I wrote yeah. uh, 10 years ago. So what happened was getting into the coaching industry, I began to meet people of pers- in the personal development realm. I began mm-hmm. to meet people in the self-help and, and even the spiritual realm, like a Marianne Williamson or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, and I was like eating it up. I was like, I just want more and I just yeah. want more because I could feel it feeding my soul on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and it does, right? Yeah. I just got this image popped into my head of just like your, um, your soil being watered, you know, mm. like this, this aspect of you that was already, so I'm going to coach mode, but when I get it, when I get a hit like that, I have to, I have to blurt it. Um, that this yeah. aspect of you, these seeds that you had planted so long ago, right. And the vines are growing and you just start watering them and watering them and watering them. And they just, they take root and they grow. Right. It's the best way to explain it. And it's like yeah. a tree. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm, it takes right. a lot of watering, a lot of sunshine, uh, to- you know, uh, you know, st- stirring up the earth, so to speak. Um, yeah. And that's how a plant grows. And that's the way our heart grows. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen by listening to one course or this or that. It's a, it's a, it's a daily practice to invest in oneself. Because that daily practice of investing oneself begins to strengthen us from the inside out. And so we can handle, you know, other, you know, even though I was, I wasn't prepared, 
when I got a divorce, I felt like, or now I feel more prepared for anything yeah. because of that daily practice. It's a lot better than watching the Kardashians in my book. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I've never watched them, by the oh, way. Good for never. you. Not Neither have I. <laughs> Not one time. Um, I watch a lot of Dateline, though. That's my yeah. that's my guilty. That's pleasure. your drug of choice. It's, it's sort of, it. yeah, it is. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't. <laughs> God, you're boring. I'm so boring. I'm so boring. I know a lot about about serial killers and murderers, though. So, you know, that's very exciting. Good to know. Having this... I love the, the image of the tree too, right? This is, this is yeah, something yeah. that I, this is an image that I use all the time in my work, right? That our job is to become so, 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 have our roots so deeply planted yeah. um, that I actually have a program called Rooted <laughs> for just oh, this cool. reason. That, you know, to have our, our roots so deeply planted that like the strongest and the biggest oak tree there is, that no matter which way the wind blows, we're still standing and, you know, our branches may bend and, you know, we're going to feel it. But if our roots are deep, we're not going to get pulled over by it. Yeah. You know, and knocked down. And you have actually had probably the most extreme case of, of wind blowing and not getting knocked over, which I, I, I I just, so you want to tell that part of your story? Yeah. Sure. So, um, so, uh, 15 months ago, I, uh, lost my 19 year old son and I'm sure any parent listening or any person could appreciate that for a parent, our greatest nightmare from the day they're born is something happening to our children. Yeah. And like, like every parent, I think I knew I, I literally every day they're alive. I, I spent some tiny bit of time in worry. Sure. So, you do. You do. And, Absolutely. And the thing I feared most happened. The thing I feared most happened. And I thought it would take me down the rabbit hole of never coming back. I always yeah. thought that, that if something happened to my kids, I'd be gone. You know, I'd be, yeah. you know, forget it. Yeah. I, and, yeah. And, if, and because as I shared with your audience that I've been doing this personal development practice for almost 15 years now, um, it well, not quite 15 years, excuse me, probably about 10 years, this daily practice of investing and nurturing my own heart prepared me, which I didn't anticipate, but as I can reflect back now, prepared me for the emotional trauma mm. that happens when we lose a child. And so I made a choice. I said it was a, a weekend. I don't want to grieve with suffering. I'm going to grieve with love. Yeah, that's gorgeous. And I know this work that I did beforehand Mm -hmm. prepared me for this. And so it's the same. And and even though I remember I shared earlier when I was losing my job and all that, I wasn't doing the work. But as I began to work, when other negative things happened, I felt more prepared. I felt prepared. Anytime things would take me down, I wouldn't stay down. I'd get back up so much quicker, emotionally speaking. Yeah. Because of doing the inner work. Yep. And that's, I mean, uh, I mean, first of all, that is, I mean, I hate to say it's powerful and it's right because it's the loss of your child and that's, 
it's yeah. devastating, right? Yeah. It, but it is, it is also powerful and it's a testament to the work, right? And it's not about yeah. the fact that you didn't grieve at no. all. No, no. I right? mean, it's believe me, I still cry. The fact that you were at choice about how you chose to grieve, right? Yes. And that's, and that's, you know, choice is a, it's a tricky thing. Like we talk, you know, well, everyone has a choice and there's, you can choose this and you can choose that. And there, and I, I'm fully aware, right. I'm a, I'm a very aware, I'm aware of my privilege and what choices I have that others don't have. Right. And mm. so to say that everybody has the same access to choice, I think is bullshit um, and irresponsible. And there are certain things that we do have choice over. Um, and you, you having access to be able to mm. choose how to grieve um, is just such a powerful example of that, I think. Thank you. Yeah. Really I actually just got asked to write a chapter in a book, and I think I'm going to share this part of the story in that chapter because I believe that whether we're grieving the loss of a child, loss of a parent, a loss of a loved one, maybe a loss of a job, or maybe it's a marriage. Mm-hmm. the work we do for ourselves prepares us for this because a, a divorce is a, is an unraveling of one's former tapestry mm. and that takes its toll. No different. And I, again, I'm going to say no different than any other type of loss. And if one chooses even before a divorce to begin the work now, you're much more prepared. For when that happens. And, you know, just to, to piggyback off of that a little bit, I mean, when I, I have a program called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And the entire first month, it's a three-month program, and the entire first month is about that. The entire yeah. first month is about deepening those roots, uh, planting those roots so fucking deep, and, yeah. you know, and really nurturing and tending that aspect. Um, because I don't think you can make this decision uh, without having done that work first, yep. right? So that when it comes time, and like you said, when it comes time to make the decision or the decision is made for you, you are emotionally prepared for whatever comes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, powerful stuff. Thank you. Powerful, powerful, beautiful, hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where are you now? So you're still obviously grieving. This was not, this was not um, very long ago. And how would you say that this experience has changed you or has it? Well, first um, I'm very blessed. I mean, this, you know, though I lost my child and I'd actually lost my mom six months before that and other things had happened. I'm a very blessed man. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because I choose to focus on my blessings every day, as corny mm-hmm. as that sounds. Um, I don't even think of gratitude, think of being blessed. And I, then I feel grateful mm. within that emotion. Mm. Um, Connor's passing gave me the catalyst to write a, a book. And I, I, I published a book nine months to the day after he passed. Wow. I just got in, started writing. And I, um, and it was a book that I kind of already began on one direction, but I 
wanted to infuse him in this book. So the book is called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? Mm-hmm. And the book is a is partly my journey, as I shared with the audience, of, of my personal development beginnings and now where it's at. But it's the book is an invitation to learn how to love oneself by actually giving tools to practice things on a daily basis. And so it walks you through a variety of tools to begin the practice of loving oneself. And at the end, I take you through my library of work. Mm. And I invite people to read the books I've read or, or go to the workshops I've gone to. And for those that are relatively new to personal development, what a great start. Yeah. Uh, for those that aren't, I can share with you that the, it's a unique point of view of wisdom and mm-hmm. I've gotten really great reviews from it. So I'm very grateful from it. And that came from that experience. Mm. And this is how I honor my son. And, you know, I just want to say to your audience, I'm in a good place. Mm. It took a long time to get there. I went through a lot of suffering. Um, I paid some dues. Um, and you know, being a divorced man, uh, I had a great, I have a great relationship with my other son. I have a great relationship with my kids, a great relationship with my ex because I began the work and she had done her own work as well that prepared us Mm. to be in a good spot. Oh, that's great. Yes. And that's that's so important, right? Because it really does. Both people kind of need to get on board, right? Jonathan, what would you say to the men who are listening, who may be sort of at the beginning of this journey, who may be dipping a toe um, into the personal development uh, sphere, and maybe like a little, a little frightened of it, if I'm being honest, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So I, I think first is to probably recognize that if you're interested in personal development, something's gnawing at you anyway something mm-hmm. is coming up mm-hmm. and so knowing if you know that it's actually for a reason then that should give you enough courage to jump in right my invitation is to explore who you are in every facet of our being because you know we get to we're only on this planet for a short time and it's our life as i said earlier I think of it, live it like you were a spaceman. <laughs> That's if you were a what? A well, an astronaut. <laughs> you know, like you know, I was just thinking of an astronaut in space. Just experience yeah. it like it's all around you, and yeah. um, and you can see from above and see below and all those sorts of things. So um, dive in. The water's fine, and you come out like you know, you know, like you came out of a jacuzzi, all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> And I also, there's something that, that again, just popped into my head is this idea that I think a lot of men think that personal development is like a chick thing, or it makes you somehow less of a man, right? It's not like a manly thing. And what what would you say to those guys? Well, I think there's a misrepresentation because it's, it's really more the spiritual practice. I I say personal Mm -hmm. development, self-help, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Spirituality has a has an air of of woo woo with it. Yeah, you know, that it's somehow mystical, and because it's mystical, men are more linear and need to be all logical and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, here's the thing: 
the, just redirect the word spirit and think of the word self. So this is a self exploration. It's an exploration in who you are. And, and the benefit of figuring out who you are is you become 10 times more masculine and yes. more, um, I don't want to use the word manly, just, you know, no, but it's um, not, it's inner it, man. Yeah. And, and I think that there's something about the duality, right. Of the feminine and the masculine, cause we all have both in us. Right. Yes. And I think that the personal development aspect is maybe a dive into the more feminine. Right. But I think that as you expand your capacity to, to be with or to inhabit one, so you expand the capacity of the other. So just from a personal perspective, I find a man who is in touch with his feminine side and who is personally developed and all of that to be so much hotter, so So much sexier. Okay. I'm going to, I'd like to make a correction because um, to a man, kind of what you said is a little bit of a turnoff. So guys, rather than thinking of it as you getting in touch with your feminine side, I'd rather have you reframe it is I'm getting in touch with my heart. Yeah. I'm getting in touch with my, my loving, how I can love, how I have been loved by my mother and father, how I love my children, how I can be in my loving. And rather than think of it, I'm in my masculine and my feminine, just think of how you can be in your heart. Mm, That's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. Jonathan, thank you. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What was that? No, I'll tell you later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom. Um, Do you have any parting words and where can people find you? Sure. Okay. Thank you so much. I love the conversational style interview. You are fantastic. (laughs) My parting words, as corny as it sounds, you know, it's loving yourself. Yeah. Uh, my invitation for you is to begin, if you haven't already, begin a journey of loving yourself because that is the antidote to everything. Mm. And it's the antidote to chaos. And it's also the, in, in vac, it's the, the vac, not vac, uh, injection of happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where you can find me, well, my book is called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? Uh, I don't know if we'll have a link to my website um, by the podcast or not. Oh, yeah. We'll have show notes. Everything in the show notes. Always everything in the show notes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it'll take you to my website. I've even got a free chapter of my book for you. and, And you can Google me and I've got a YouTube channel and everything else. Excellent. Excellent. Jonathan, thank you so much. It's been such an amazing pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.